Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Did y'all hear that? What you just heard was the sound of the next generation saying, I'm going to lift my praises to Jesus, not to anyone else. (laughs) What you heard was the next generation saying, hey, we aren't just going to go to church. We are the church, okay? I love it. Hey, listen, y'all can go ahead and take a seat. Um, Oh, my goodness, what God is doing in the next generation is amazing, and you just saw a glimpse of it, and listen, all week we've been watching as students, you've been leading the way. I mean, I'm telling you, students, I'm just watching you worship the passion that you have for Jesus, the way that you, the way that you surrender to him, the way that you trust him, honestly, I mean, listen, it's inspiring to me. It's inspiring to a lot of us. In fact, I just want to say, on behalf of our whole church, students, 
We are so proud of you, church. Aren't you so proud of our students? See, listen, there's all sorts of stories from camp, and we don't have time to share all of them. Um, I'm just going to share a few. See, the first night of middle school camp, there was a student named Hudson, and Hudson surrendered his life to Jesus. And you know what he did right after he made that decision? He texted his mom, and he said, Mom, I want you to know I just made this decision, and they got a chance to, to talk. And then he said, and you know what I did? As soon as I stood up, I looked at my watch because I wanted to know the exact time that I made that decision for Jesus. It was July 16th, 7.32 p.m. Are you kidding me? That's the middle school. And listen, high school camp, the very first, that's right, the very first night of high school camp, we had a student. She surrendered to Jesus as well, and she did that before the sermon even started. It's like, I don't even know if that's allowed, you know? It's like, <laughs> by the way, it is allowed, okay? And she said yes to Jesus, and here's why. Because God cares so deeply for the next generation, and the next generation is hungry for Jesus. They want more of him, which is why when they write their own hymn, the hymn of the next generation, it sounds like this. All my friends just want to be famous. You know, like TikTok famous, Instagram famous. All my friends want to be famous, living life with a lot of time wasted. But I choose you. And all week, students have been saying, Jesus, I choose you. You're what's missing. I choose you, and now I'm different. And so everyone's saying, I'm crazy. I love this next line. Good thing they're not God who made me. So let them talk. They don't phase me. I'm going to give you all my praises. See, listen. In a culture, that's right. In a culture that's all about being famous, it's all about being known, that's all about having followers, all about being an influencer. This hymn, this modern day hymn comes along and says, no, there's got to be more to life. In fact, this hymn asks a really, really big question. It's this, what is my life all about? What's my life all about? Is it just about being recognized? Is it just about being known, right? Is it about having other people's praises about, is it about having other people's approval or is it about having God's approval. And this hymn, it lines up beautifully with, with one of my favorite verses. This is Galatians 1.10. It says this, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? In other words, just be famous and be known. He says, no, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so this hymn and this verse comes along and it says, no, we're not going to live for their praises, we're going to live for God's praises. And not only that, listen, I'm going to make sure, I don't care what other people think about me. The only thing I care about is what God thinks about me. In other words, this is kind of the main idea. Life is not about making me famous. It's about making Jesus famous. It's not about me. It's about him. And I'm telling you, in the middle of camp with all the hype and Right after the worship, it's like, that's true. Oh, my goodness, that's true, and I'm going to live for that. And then on a Sunday morning, you know, when everyone's cheering and celebrating Jesus, it's like, that's true, and I'm going to live for him. <laughs> but in the middle of, like, a normal week, you know, like after the, after the hype of camp kind of fades, when it's just a random Tuesday, that's a hard thing to actually live out. Because the truth is, all of us, okay, not just students, all of us in the room, it's easy for us to live 
for ourselves, to make life about, about me and about my talents and my abilities and my friends and my accolades and what people think of me. Like, like students, it's easy to live for likes and comments and followers. I mean, have you ever, have you ever deleted a post because it didn't get enough likes, right? It's easy to live for what other people think about me. It's easy to make life all about the sport that I play or, or the talent that I have or, or the friends that I have or the grades that I get. It's easy, e students, it's easy to make life all about you. But listen, it's not just students. It's, come on, this is, this is all of us, adults, all of us old people, okay, that aren't students. It's easy for us to make life about us, right? Come on, moms, some of y'all on Facebook trying to sell me stuff, okay? It's, listen, it's not just students trying to be influencers, okay? Like, and, and, and listen, if you're at work, if you're at work, we don't call it being an influencer. We call it getting a promotion. We call it being in the room where the decisions are made. We call it the five-year plan. Because it's easy for us to make life about the job that I have or the job that I want or the promotion that I get. It's easy to make life all about, you know, the, the house that I live in, the neighborhood I live in or want to live in or the car that I drive. It's easy for us to make life about, you know, the, the weekend or the vacation that I can afford or, or the, honestly, the vacation I can't afford, you know. It's easy to make life about retirement. It's easy for all of us to make life about me. Listen, even pastors, even, pa I mean, come on, we got pastors across all our campuses Y'all, you know, it's easy for us to make life about, about me. It's easy to make life about, you know, the, the title that we wish we had or the position we wish we had or the event that we want people to show up to. It's like, you know, we want to make Jesus famous, but also we want to get noticed too. Like, it's easy for us to make life about me. But you know this. That kind of life, it's always hollow. Like it's never enough. When you just make life about you, when I make life about me, it's, it's never enough. In fact, even people that aren't Christian recognize this. I want to show you a quote by um, Jim Carrey, like that Jim Carrey, okay? Ace Ventura himself. Here's what he said. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Because even when you get recognized and even when you get known and even when people make life about you, it's still not enough. And so the question that I want to go after today is this. How do I live? How do I live for more than just me? How do I make it so that my life is not just about my talents, my abilities, you know, me gaining accolades and me gaining followers? How do I live for more than just me? And to answer this question, here's what I want to do. I want to look at the story of a guy who was famous. He had the accolades. He had the followers. This is like the original influencer, okay? And he even, and, and, and it would have been so easy for him to make life all about himself. In fact, like his friends tried to make life all about him. And yet this guy, even in the midst of all of his popularity, made life about something bigger. Okay, so the guy that we're going to look at today is um, really famous for baptizing people. He was like the first one to make baptism a, a thing, okay? And uh, you may even know who we're talking about. He had a nickname. You know who it is? Yeah, John the Baptist. That's right. By the way, that, 
That's how you know that he was famous, is that 2,000 years later, I say baptism, and you say, oh, John, right? It's like, this guy was known. He was famous. In 30 AD, people would come from all over just to hear him preach, and most importantly, to be baptized by him. That's what he was famous for. That's what he was known for. That's what he was gathering crowds for. People just wanted to get baptized by John until Jesus showed up. And then when Jesus showed up, he was baptized by John, and then Jesus started baptizing people. And he didn't even ask John for permission, okay? He just started, he started doing it. And so all of John's followers, the guys that were like loyal to John, were like, Gee, you know, John, 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 we got to talk. This new guy showed up, okay? And this is, this is what they said. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, in other words, leader, you know, teacher, the guy that baptizes people, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, you know, the one you testified about. By the way, you know, what he testified was, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, but they left that out of the speech. Anyway, so the guy that you testified about, look, he is baptizing, and then this was why they even brought it up to him in the first place. Everyone is going to him. In other words, John, you're becoming irrelevant. John, you're losing followers. Come on, John, you got an image to protect. I mean, come on, you're the guy, right? I mean, baptism is your thing. And let me just, let me just pause here to say, you know, because some of you in the room, football is your thing. Cheer is your thing. Good grades is your thing. Singing is your thing. Being an entrepreneur is your thing. Being the Pinterest mom is your thing. Being the head of the PTA is your thing. Being successful is your thing. And what happens when someone else comes along and they do their thing better than you do your thing? What happens when everyone leaves you because someone else does it better? What happens when your thing is no longer your thing anymore? Then, what is life all about? And so they come up to John and they're like, man, this is, this is your thing, and he's doing it. He didn't even ask for permission. What are we going to do? And this is how John replies. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Um, now, the first time that I read this verse, maybe it's kind of like you right now. It's like, what? You know, it's like, what is that? How, did you listen to the question they asked? Like, John, what are you talking about? Okay, so here's kind of my modern-day translation for what John said. What you have didn't come from you, okay? What you have, in other words, your thing, the, make, the thing that makes you you, the thing that you're really good at, the thing that like everyone kind of recognizes and everyone, you know, kind of looks to you for, okay? What you have didn't come from you. In other words, your athleticism, your intelligence, your looks, you know, the, the thing that makes you you, that didn't come from you. And so to be even, let me just be even more specific. Um, you didn't make yourself six foot three. You didn't do that. Okay, you didn't give yourself blue eyes. You didn't give yourself your singing voice. You didn't get to pick out your IQ. That didn't come from you. Now, some of you might like push back just a little bit and go, well, come on, I've, 
I've, I've, I've worked really hard, you know, I've, I've, I've practiced, I've developed it, you know, it's like I've, man, I've tried really hard and stayed late, you know, and I, I made sure to develop this thing. Listen, I'm not saying you didn't cultivate it, I'm just saying you didn't create it, which means you might have built the business, but you've always kind of had an, had an eye for detail, or you've always had an eye that's kind of like an entrepreneurial eye, and you've always been able to see things that other people can't see. Well, where'd that come from? It's like you, maybe you're really good at sales, you know, and you're just, you're just really good with people. Honestly, like your mom used to say that you'd go up to three-year-olds and you never met a stranger, you know? It's like, well, well where, did, where did that come from? It's like your first string, you know, and, and, and you've always been athletic. Well, well, where did that come from? And John said, that didn't come from you. That came from God. In fact, the, the phrase he uses is, you received it from heaven, which is really interesting because we also use a phrase. Like when we see someone who's really good at something, you know, um, we, you know, if we get a chance to go up to him, we say, oh, my goodness. We say, you have a gift, right? And here's the interesting thing about a gift. Um, you don't earn the gift. You don't pay for the gift. You just receive the gift, right? So what, what you have didn't come from you. And so John's saying, listen, I know that I do the baptism thing, you know, but where do you think I got that idea from? Who do you think inspired me to baptize people? In fact, who do you think is the one that called me to baptize people? It wasn't me. It was him. So what you have didn't come from you. And the reason that John spends time here and the reason that we're spending time here is because when, when you begin to think that you are 100% responsible for like all that you do and the gifts that you have and the talents and abilities that you have, you'll start to confuse what you do with who you are. And that's where John goes next. He says this, continues the conversation. He says, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not which, by the way, I am, that's an identity statement. I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. <laughs> In other words, John's saying, I know I baptize people, but that doesn't make me the king. That's not who I am. And, and this isn't in scripture, but I would almost imagine John saying something like, you're the one that named me John the Baptist. Like, you're the one that gave me that nickname. You're the one that paired up what I did with my identity. I didn't give myself that name, though. I'm just John. You're the one that called me John the Baptist. And see, it's so easy for us, if we could just be honest, it's, it's, it's so easy for us to confuse who we are with what we do. So that, you know, when, when, when we're successful, we think, I'm a success. So that when we do great, we think, I am great. And when people applaud, we think, I must be amazing. And then when they don't, we wonder, what's wrong with me? See, Tim Keller even talked about this in the context of work. He said this, when work is your identity, when you wrap up who you are in your work, then success goes to your head and failure goes to your heart. 
In other words, if you're not careful and you confuse these two things together, then you're going to ride the wave of every time you do good, you're going to think I am good. And every time you do bad, you're going to think I am bad. And so for me, it sounds something like this. When I, you know, when I do a, a good job of like preaching or I do a good job of like pastoring someone through something or, you know, counseling, man, I feel great. I feel like I kind of am great. But then when I don't do a good job, I start to wonder what's wrong with, with me. At a moment, um, this was a few years ago, uh, I, preached a, I preached a sermon and uh, a guy reached out to me. And uh, he, was, he was like so kind and, and so generous with his praise. And he actually emailed me uh, and he called me. And he said, um, I'm sorry, there's, my phone's going off. There's an Amber Alert. Okay, anyways, sorry about that. Some of you got it too, so we're all on the same page. Okay, anyways. Um, so anyways, this guy reached out to me, and he said, he, he, he was like, oh my gosh, you've just done amazing, and, and, and I, this message meant so much to me. He even emailed me, and he said, I've watched your message five times. And I'm like, my wife doesn't even watch my message five times. It's like he must have thought it was amazing. And like the more he was talking to me, the more I started thinking I must have done pretty good, which then made me think I must be good. And I started feeling really good uh, until the next message, um, because the, the next message kind of came and went. And I got to be honest, after I preached, I was like, let's see what he thinks. You know, is he going to email me? And I waited a few days and and, and then I did get a response from him. Here's what he said. I've only watched it once, but I can tell you, honestly, you've got miles to go to top or even equal your last message, maybe years. So that was good. That was good. And uh, yeah, I, you're laughing, and which is good. But uh, when, I, when I got that email, I started going, uh-oh, like what's, what's, what's wrong you know, with me? And I started like thinking back to the sermon. I was like, did I not say something correctly? And my wheels start spinning and I start kind of like, I start kind of thinking, you know, what is wrong with, with me? And by the way, what's wrong is not what this guy said. This guy is like so generous and so kind. The problem was I let success go to my head. So where do you think failure went? It's my heart. And I began to think that my identity was wrapped up in what I did or how well I did it or what people thought of me. But listen, how I do is not who I am. And how you do is not who you are. Okay, And what people say about you and the job that you have and how well you do it and the good days and the bad, that does not define you. That is not your identity. Your identity, who you are, is so much bigger than that. In fact, John, the Apostle John, even talked about that. I want to read it to you. This is from John chapter 1. It says, this is who you actually are. Yet to all who did receive him... Okay, now let me pause here, because we've already talked about receiving, right? We talked about receiving gifts and talents and the things that make us, us. But here he says, to all who did receive him. Well, who's the him he's talking about? Jesus. In other words, he's saying, listen, if you've said yes to Jesus and you've received Jesus, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
which means your identity is not wrapped up in what you do or how well you do it or what people say about you. Your identity is wrapped up in the fact that you are a child of God, which means, listen, you're not just a football player. You're a child of God. You're not just a cheerleader. You're a child of God. You're not just his girlfriend. You're a child of God. You're not just a straight A student. You're a child of God. You're not just a business owner. You're a child of God. You're not just the Pinterest mom. You're a child of God. You're not just a salesman. You're a child of God. You're not just head of the PTA. You are a child of God. And listen, my kids don't stop being my kids because they have a bad day. My kids don't stop being a Walton because they dropped the ball or struck out. No, listen, there is nothing my kids can do and nothing anyone can say about my kids that stops them from being a Walton. They are always a Walton. They are always my kids. And it's the same for you. If you've received Jesus, then your identity is in the fact that you've received him and you're a child. In other words, who you are, who you are is not about what you received. It's about who you received. Okay, so more important than who you are is actually whose you are. That the God of the universe calls you his kid. And that is your identity. And I'm telling you, when you know who you are, and you're not confused about how well you do and the job that you have or the thing that makes you you, but you actually know who you are, it changes what you live for. In fact, it, it, it changes who you live for. And that's how John the Baptist actually wrapped up the conversation. See, he's like, listen, I know, I know you guys are upset because everyone's leaving me to go get baptized by Jesus. But let me just say this. I know who I am. And so because of that, I'm not only okay with them going to see Jesus, I love that they're going to see Jesus. And he uses an analogy that, um, that's a pretty cool analogy. He says, I want you to imagine that you're at a wedding, okay? And do you want to know, <laughs> you want to know who Jesus is? He's the groom. And do you want to know who I am? I'm the best man. And can you imagine going to a wedding when the best man makes it all about himself? In fact, listen, I got to be a best man at my, at my brother's wedding. And can you imagine how crazy it would have been if I tried to make the wedding all about me, right? Like, can you imagine like at the beginning of the, you know, ceremony, it's like the whole bridal party is lined up and we're ready to go. And then right before the bride walks down the aisle, I step in front and I go, hey, thanks for coming to see me today. Um, I know I look pretty good. Uh, it's nice tux. And listen, you're going to be glad you came because later at the reception, I'm going to be given a speech, Okay. And I've been Googling some tips and tricks for like how to, hey, bride, hold on. It's not your turn yet. Okay, anyways, I'm going to like, how crazy would that be for a best man to make a whole day about himself? And John's saying, that's what you're trying to do to me right now. This is what he says. He says, listen, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. In other words, the groom and the friend, that's the best man. The friend who attends the groom waits and listens for him and is full of, what's that word? Joy. All right, we're going to say that one more time. And students, you're going to lead the way. You're going to say it loud, okay? And it's full of? Joy. That's it. Full of joy when he hears the groom. And that joy is mine and is now complete. In other words, listen. He's a groom. 
I'm the best man. He's the king. He's the one. Okay, he's the one that this day is all about. In fact, he's the one that my life is all about. So he must become greater and I must become less. He, Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. Listen, it's not about me. It's about him. He's the one that you should be paying attention to. He's the one that my life is all about. He's the one who is king. And listen, yes, I've got talents and abilities, but he's the one that gave them to me, okay? So he must become greater. I must become less. In other words, listen, all my friends, all my friends just want to be famous. Oh, they want to make life about themselves. But I'm telling you, they are living life with a lot of time wasted. And so I choose you. You're what's missing, because when I follow after Jesus, I have joy. And so I choose you. So now I'm different. I am full of joy. And everyone's saying, I'm crazy. They're saying, John, 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 you got to make it about yourself. Come on. You're losing followers, man. You got to make sure. I mean, they're saying I'm crazy, but it's a good thing they're not God who made me. It's a good thing they're not the God who gave me the gifts that I have. So let them talk. Don't phase me. Because I'm going to give him all my praises. I'm going to make all my life about him. It's not about me. It's about him. So he must become greater and I must become less. And students, all week you've been singing this song. And you've been making it about him. Students, I've watched as you have reoriented your lives and your friendships around Jesus, not around yourself. In fact, we showed a video at camp of uh, three football players that realized that life was about more than just football, that life was not about them, that life is about Jesus. And I want to I want to actually show it to you. This is three of our students who've said yes to Jesus and realized that life is not about them. Take a look. I like hitting people like really hard. I like I love hitting people. Just hitting people. I love love to hit people. <laughs> I guess that's gonna be a pretty common theme when you ask us that question. I'd say one of our highest points is uh, us going 7-0, uh, 7-0 last year, undefeated. You know you have everyone's back and everyone has your back as well. I mean that's that's best teams do is everyone's there for each other. You don't have teams that are just you know one or two standout guys. It's everybody's one big unit together. But I love being with a team. I love working with a bunch of guys and just getting better. Man, Zach's my best friend. When I moved into my neighborhood, we always played on the same football team and stuff. We played some video games, Apex, Call of Duty. Go to the field, go to the gym, because that helps us improve. My girlfriend, her name is Samantha Mitchell. She also goes to age 12. Um, she suggested it to me, and I thought it was a super cool thing. We have basketball, we play nine square. Uh, Michael, our youth pastor, he's one of the coolest guys I've ever met. and. Uh, He's actually brought me so much closer to Jesus. Zach invited me to church like right before winter retreat was. First time I walked in those doors, I just felt welcomed. I started learning a lot more about God and really just understanding it. Because there's one thing just knowing it and then there's understanding it on a deeper level. So Zach invited me to church and then 
Michael was texting me, he's like, yo, if you have any friends you want to invite, you know, we'll always be open for that. Ethan reached out to me even though we weren't even that close. I was honestly really scared because before that, I haven't been to church in probably like almost two or three years. And I thought that I might have been looked down on because I didn't know as much about Jesus as other people. It actually ended up being a really fun night. I actually accepted Jesus um, at winter retreat. I just took a moment to open my arms to him and let him know uh, just to lead me the right way and take me and I'll listen to you whenever and that was probably the best night of my life I've ever had. It was really that winter retreat that was one of the most like influential things on me in my like faith, the path of my faith. But I feel like just God and 12 Stone just brought us all together and I mean those are my two best friends. I mean there's no other way to put it. And I, I don't know if you caught it, but um, Sam, um, Zach's girlfriend, Sam is the one that invited Zach to come on Wednesday. And here's what I love. Sam recognized that she was not just Zach's girlfriend. She's a child of God. And so because that's her identity, she realized that, wait a second, my life is not about me. And it's not even about this relationship. It's about Jesus. So God's given me a boyfriend. Well, might as well invite him to Wednesday. And so she invited Zach to Wednesday, and then Zach invited Ethan, and then Ethan invited CJ, and they all began to realize that there is more to life than just making it about me. There's more to life than just football. And at, it, was, it was at Winter Retreat that all three of them said yes to Jesus and surrendered to him. And here's what's beautiful. All three of them were at camp um, this week, and all three of them realized it's time for me to go public with my faith and do the thing that started with John the Baptist and went to Jesus, but I'm going to get baptized. So all three of them are going to get baptized, and two of them are going to get baptized right now. Okay? I got my friend Zach right here. Zach, I love you. I am so honored to be in your life, bro, and I'm so proud of the steps that you're taking in your faith. I love you, bro. I got two questions for you, man. Do you trust Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes, sir. Yes. All right, say it loud for all to hear. Do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes, I do. All right, bro. It's with that profession of faith that I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love that. So remember, it was Zach who just got baptized. Zach was the one who invited Ethan, and then Ethan was the one who invited CJ. And so now, CJ is going to go public with his faith. Let's take a look. Water feel good? Feels good? All right, cool. CJ, I know what this decision means. I just want to let you know, man, I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. And, dude, your church family's here for you, bro. Dude, do you trust Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes, I do. And do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? I do. All right, man. It's with that declaration of faith that I, that I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
So Zach, Ethan, CJ, we are so proud of you. And um, do you think if, if you were to pull these guys aside and say, hey, real quick, hey, is life all about football for you? They'd go, are you kidding me? No, not at all. In fact, it's not about football and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And that honestly, that's one of the most beautiful things about baptism it's when someone's baptized, they're saying, I want everyone in this room to know my life. It's not about me anymore. It's about him. And did you watch it? Because listen, those are tough guys. They said they like hitting people. I wouldn't want them to hit me. Okay, so do you notice that they, you know, they're like tough up there? But then what happened as soon as one of their guys got baptized? Man, they were smiling from ear to ear. There's so much joy happening right there. You know why? Because their joy is complete. Because they recognize life is not about me. And when life's not about me, you get complete joy. In fact, a lot of us in this room, I think part of the problem is we've been running around with incomplete joy. Because we're trying to make life about what we can gain and, and, and all about my talents and my abilities and my job and my family and the street that I live on. And, and we get a little bit of joy, but that joy is incomplete. But you want complete joy? John said, the joy that's now mine and that joy that's now complete is because Jesus is getting famous, not me. That's, by the way, that's just, that's the reason, like you hear us talk a lot about discovering your purpose through growth track and making a difference by being a day maker. Why do we talk about that stuff so much? Because we want you to have joy. Because there is joy available for you when you and I realize life is not about me. It's about him. So I want to leverage everything that I have to make him famous. So I want to teach you a prayer. And this is a prayer that I'd love for you to pray right now. And maybe every morning when you wake up. Maybe it's a prayer that you pray right before you go into the office. Maybe it's a prayer you pray right before you go to practice. Or right before you go to school. Or right before you go to that meeting. Here it is. God, this is the prayer. God, how can I use what you gave me? Because remember, it didn't come from you. So how can I use what you gave me to make you famous? God, how can I leverage? How can I use? How can I make my life about using the things that you gave me to make it not about me, but to make it about you? So that my life, it's about him, not about me. Because listen, we all know this. All this stuff is going to fade. You know, the house that you really want to live in, or maybe the house that you live in right now. One day that house is going to be old and dated. <laughs> the car that you're like, ah, I'd love to have that car. That's going to look so old. We're going to be flying around in flying cars one day. You know, it's like that car that you want, it's just... The people that you're trying to impress, they're not going to be around. One day, all this stuff is just going to fade. And then what will your life have been about? I'm telling you this, there's only one thing that lasts, and that's Jesus. So when you leverage your life to no longer be about you, you leverage it to be about him. You're leveraging your life to be about the only thing that's going to last.
So maybe, maybe part of what God wants to do is remind you today, football is not about football. I know you're on the team and you got influence. But what if as you pray that prayer, God, you know, I want to use what you gave me to make my life about making you famous. What if you began to recognize that means I'm going to use my athleticism and my being on the team to invite my friends to Wednesdays just like they did. What if you realize your talent was not about your talent? It's about leveraging what God gave you to build up the body of Christ. That listen, your business is not about your business. You know what God's going to do with your business, though? He's going to bring employees into your business. And now those employees have a chance to be around someone authentically living out their faith. And maybe that's why you have the business. That maybe the street that you live on is not about the street that you live on. Like, I like to imagine that there's you know, streets that don't have any believers on them. No, no Christians on that street. So what does God do? Well, God goes, I know what we should do. We should have a Christian move on to that street so that Christian can get to know their neighbors and tell them about Jesus because those neighbors aren't going to find out about Jesus unless someone lives right next to them. And that's why you're living there. Because your street's not about your street. It's not about your neighborhood. It's about making Jesus famous. But the people that you work with, the people you sit next to in class. What if you used what God gave you to make him famous? So here's what I want to do. Here and across the campuses, I want to invite up our student pastors. And they're going to pray over you. And listen, um, 12 Stone Home, we got David and Rachel. They're going to pray over you. But our student pastors are going to pray over our students in the room and the adults that we would have the same mindset that John had. He must become greater. I must become less. And that you would begin to pray the prayer, God, how can I use what you gave me to make you famous? So student pastors, would you pray for us? Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.